It begins with having a proper foundation. When you build a house, you need a foundation. And when you build a life of faith, you need a proper foundation to build up a house, to edify. And then as you build, once the foundation is built, you begin to lay out the decking for the flooring and then the walls and finally the roof, put in the windows, the door. But it all comes in order that one another might be built up and not to tear them down. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. As we close out here in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 20 through 40, I titled this Decently and in Order. I've given us three points. We're going to see the sign gifts in verses 20 through 25, peace, not confusion, verses 26 through 33, and decently and in order, verses 34 through 40. But Paul went on to talk about peace, not confusion, verses 26 through 33. It tells us, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. For if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn. Let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silence. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. For the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not an author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of all the saints. Peace, not confusion. When the church comes together, it appears there in Corinth that mayhem was taking place, that everyone came together and you had a group of people speaking psalms. Others were trying to teach. There were those speaking in tongue, those having revelations, prophecy, those who are interpreting. He said, let all things be done for edification. The purpose of the church coming together is that we would be edified. And it seems there in Corinth that the spiritual gifts were running amok. 
within the congregation. They had no proper order within their church. It had become a place of disorder and confusion. For it seems that everyone was trying to use their gifts all at the same time. In Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, it tells us that he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, some pastors for the equipping of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I turned my page too quick. For the edifying of the body of Christ. I use that verse so much, I would think I'd have it down by now, but apparently not. The word for edify here is to build up. And so think about building a house. You begin at the foundation. This is what uh, we're planning to do for family camp this year, something that rolled around in, in my head as I was thinking about necessary things to leave our children. It begins with having a proper foundation. When you build a house, you need a foundation. And when you build a life of faith, you need a proper foundation to build up a house, to edify. And then as you build, once the foundation is built, you begin to lay out the decking for the flooring and then the walls and finally the roof, put in the windows, the door. But it all comes in order that one another might be built up and not to tear them down. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that is good for necessary edification that may impart grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. We are, when we come together, to desire to build up one another, not to tear them down. And I have to tell you, when I was a younger man, partly because of just life in high school and then I even went on, I said I played 10 years in a Christian band, that uh, me and my cousin, we learned how to cut cut down one another very good. We could just lay in. If they would slip on something, we would let them have it. Make a joke out of it. We would laugh out of it. But you know, in hindsight, it's not always healthy. It's good to have fun. It's good to laugh, but not at the expense of another individual. When we come together, we're to build up for necessary edification. Paul was not opposed to the sign gifts. He had already stated in 1 Corinthians 5.4, I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. However, Paul understood that when using the sign gifts, they were at their best when they brought edification to the church, not confusion. Therefore, Paul set guidelines that should be used during the worship services. He said, if speaking in tongues, let there be two at the most three. He brought order to it, not confusion. To limit the confusion, he instructed them to allow the gifts to operate, but the gift of tongues, two or three, if there was no interpreter present, then they were to practice their gift quietly. I have heard that take place in our fellowship before, where the gift of tongues being used, usually when we're praying, uh, maybe in a midweek prayer time, 
when it's a smaller group, I've heard uh, people, individuals practice the gift of tongues, but silently to themselves. I can hear it happening, but it's not for the corp- corporate worship. In Acts 19.6, Paul laid hand on 12 men, and after he laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues. They prophesied. These are things that should take place in the church, but decently and in order. Paul set a guideline for tongues. He said two or three for prophecy. He again said two or three. Let two or three prophets speak. And then he went on to not only set limits, but he went on to maybe the Lord gave confirmation to someone else. They received the same prophecy. But if someone already spoke the word, then you remain silent. You don't have to speak what the Lord has already spoken through someone else. Maybe the Lord was giving you a chance and you're thinking, I don't don't know, better not say anything. And God said, okay, all right, Fred, it's your turn. I'm going to give you the chance now. There's no Freds here. I can't put anybody on the spot. But they speak up first. They have the gift. It's the same word I wanted to speak. God said, then you remain silent. He went on to say that the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets. We can control these gifts. In 1 Thessalonians five nineteen through 22, he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. We're not to quench the spirit. We're not to despise prophecy. We are to test all things. Our uh, testing meter is the word of God. But we're to test all things with the word of God. And we are to hold fast to what is good. And if it doesn't stand up to the test, to the word of God, we're to throw it out. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, he says, Let us consider one another in order that we might stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When the gifts of the Spirit are properly used, it brings edification, encouragement, and peace to the body of Christ. And we finish out with Paul saying, decently and in order, verses 34 through 40. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. They are to be submissive, as the law also says. That final five words there in verse 34 is important for us, as the law also says. We'll talk about that in a moment. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or did not the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandment of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. First of all, let's remember that Paul is teaching that the congregational worship 
Everything is to be done decently and in order. And it is apparent here in the letter to the Corinthians that they had a lot of things going on that were very disorderly in their worship settings. And so Paul set forth to give them instruction. And Paul instructs the women to keep silent. It was not, we need to realize this, not an absolute prohibition against the women speaking in church. Back in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 4 through 6, he already talked about men and women prophesying and praying. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays and prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved, if her head is uncovered. I'm making sure I'm reading it right. For if a woman is not covered, so let her be shorn. For it is shameful for a woman to be shorn, then shaved, let her be covered. Now we have to understand, there in Corinth, they had a temple where they worship Aphrodite's, and get the right goddess in my head, where it is reported historically that they had a thousand temple prostitutes. And one signal of the temple prostitute is that the woman's head was uncovered. She did not cover her hair. And so it was proper for those who were of the church, the women of the church, to distinguish themselves separate, even though we're free in Christ, to distinguish themselves from what was taking place in their city to then cover. Paul had already made allowances for women to pray and to prophesy when adorned with the proper head covering. And so he is not prohibiting women from participating in the church. There may have also been reasons rooted in their culture that it was common for women to remain silent within the church. We've already talked about the temple prostitutes that were associated with the pagan worship there in Corinth. But also, it was customary that women would remain silent, not to usurp authority within the church, not to usurp authority over their husbands. And I'm reading this from gotquestions.com. I often use this website. They have great insight on things. I say that because I want to encourage you, if you have a question, go to Got Questions, and they give good answers. And here at the tail end of this paragraph, they say, the interpretation offered here maintains that as long as the male leadership in the home and church is honored, the female acceptance of it is expressed in culturally relevant ways, then the spirit of this passage is fulfilled. How can I better explain that? I'll say it this way. Here at Calvary Chapels, we believe that God has, in according to the word of God, according to the epistles, that a pastor should stand in the pulpit, that he should be male, that he should be the husband of one wife, according to the word of God. We don't. There is no Calvary Chapel that I know of. If they were, they wouldn't be a Calvary Chapel for long, who have a woman in the pulpit as the pastor over the fellowship. 
But if within the Calvary Chapel, the pastor, Pastor John, would say to his wife, Lily, put her on the spot again because she's my wife and I can do it. But I'm not going to put her on the spot in this way. But if I would say, Lily, would you come and share before us all what you were telling me about this week? Share that from the pulpit. Now, that might make her nervous for me to say that. I would give her a warning, probably. But <laughs> if I did that, then I'm still responsible because I've given permission. But let me put it this way. If I did that, whether male or female, anyone in the congregation, I would invite them up. I'm still responsible. I'm the pastor of this fellowship. I'm responsible for what comes from this pulpit and there could be mistakes that would be made. But I think I would rather allow God to move through the Holy Spirit in the life of this congregation and sometimes take a chance to see the Spirit move among us. Paul wanted to not stop tongues, the use of tongues, not stop the use of prophecy, he wanted to limit interruptions during the congregational worship while maintaining their cultural traditions. Do you realize that in their cultural tradition that the women sat on one side of the church, the men sat on the other side of the church? Quite often, if Lily and I are sitting together, we will whisper to one another. But what if we sat on the other side of the congregation from one another? How is she going to ask me a question? Hey, John! That would be disruptive. So to maintain their cultural traditions today, it could be as simple as saying, let's silence our cell phones before we come to church. It can be very distracting. He's trying to limit the distractions. Written by the commandments of God. Now, he kind of traps the people here in the letter. He said to them, that if anybody thinks him to be a prophet or to be spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I've written to you are the commandments of the Lord. So I want you to judge. He said, if they prophesy, then let the others judge. I'm giving you prophecy through the written word. Now judge whether these things are true or not. But if you want to remain ignorant, then let them be ignorant. Knowing that some would not receive his instructions, he challenges them. Let the others judge. In 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 16, he says, These things we also speak, not in words which is man's wisdom, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they be known to them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Let he himself who is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so, but he who is spiritual, he judges all things. Let him judge. For those who had their spirit, spirits enlightening by God's Holy Spirit, they were to discern, to judge spiritual things. They were to, having the mind of Christ, they were to uh, look at the word of God. Is this truth? Is this what the Lord is speaking to us? First Peter 
1, verses 20 and 21, knowing first that no prophecy came of Scripture as of any private interpretation, but prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God as they spoke, being moved by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he says, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Again, think about this in your prayer life. Lord, give me the gift of prophecy. I've never prayed that. I, I believe the Lord has given me the gift of prophecy, but I don't think I've desired earnestly to have this zeal for is the word that could be used for. Desire zealously to have this gift of prophecy. Do not forbid to speak in tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. The Lord has given to his church the gifts of the Spirit that they might bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he who prophesied, he speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That is what the gift of prophecy is for. And I realize that some people, they like disorder, thinking that order will actually come out of disorder. It's what's happening in our nation today. I'm not talking about the church now, but talking about these protests that have turned into riots and they're bringing disorder, thinking that they're going to get some kind of order out of it. But I fear that all they're going to bring is destruction to this nation. I realize that some people like disorder and will often call their disorder a move of God's spirit. But the word tells us that God is not the author of confusion. Here at Calvary Chapel, we have distinctives that we hold to. They're on the back of your bulletins and they read as this. We believe worship of God should be spiritual. Therefore, we remain flexible so the Holy Spirit may direct our worship. We believe worship of God should be inspirational. Therefore, we give a great place to music in our worship. We believe worship of God should be intelligent. Therefore, in our service, we emphasize Bible teaching so God may instruct us how he would be worshipped. We believe worship of God should be fruitful. Therefore, we look for his love in our lives as the greatest evidence that we are truly worshiping him. We should earnestly desire spiritual gifts to help bring edification, encouragement, and peace to the body of Christ. Today we've seen in this message entitled, Decently and in Order, we have seen the sign gifts that when they are used, God's prophetic word, it convinces, it convicts unbelievers that they might repent of their sin and worship Jesus. In our second point, peace, not confusion. When the gifts of the Spirit are properly used, well, it brings about, and I've repeated this a few times, it brings edification, encouragement, and peace to the body of Christ. And decently and in order, again, we should earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Paul said, especially that we might prophesy. I want to just point that out. But to help bring edification, encouragement, and peace to the body of Christ. It is my hope that everyone here in this congregation, whether listening on the radio station, watching on Facebook Live, or perhaps listening to this message at a later 
time, it is my hope that you have realized that Jesus is the Savior of the world and that you have received him as the Savior of your life. Father, we come together today, Lord, as the body of Christ, desiring, Lord, to worship in such a way that we do bring edification to the body of Christ, that we bring encouragement to the body of Christ, that, Lord, we might bring peace to our hearts. We also know, Lord, when your word goes forth, that it can convince and it can convict. And we understand, Lord, that there are those perhaps even now that need to accept you as the savior of their lives. So I pray, Lord, that if there are those who need to surrender their hearts to you, Lord, work in their heart even now in a mighty way. So, Father, we ask that you would be with us now as we close out in worship. We ask, Lord, that you would be with our closing song. Lord, continue to work in our hearts. We do ask, Lord, that you would convince, that you would convict, that you would bring repentance from us if necessary. Lord, that we would be encouraged, that we would be edified. Lord, that we would know your peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.